The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During the supper, when Judas had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Alleluia. After six or seven weeks, we're very happy to welcome Father Isaac back to be with us here. He's been filling in at the church in Campbellford for some time, and uh, yeah, we're happy to have him back. Now, he may not be brand new to us here, um, but we've been reflecting on how we all like brand new things. Everyone likes new things. We like to get some enjoyment from new things, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's fine to, to enjoy new things. It's an experience we all have, so I think it's just part of the way God has made us. God has made us to like and to enjoy new things. It can be taken too far, of course. Someone can uh, get so consumed with the desire for new things that it's what guides and motivates them through life. Someone can be taken up so much with a, a desire for new things that Uh, They'll go to any extremes to get as many new things as possible. It can become just, their whole life can revolve around it. Last week, someone around here wanted a new riding mower so much that they took ours. It's, uh, It's taking it too far, for sure. Now, new things always comes hand in hand with change. The new TV is going to have a remote with more buttons on it than the last one had. A new car is going to have more features on it than the last one had. Even new shoes take some time to adapt to them and for them to be broken in. New things comes together with change. And the question is, that we reflected on last week, is how will we handle this change? Now, when change is welcome... Um, if it's known or unknown to us, when change is welcome, it's, it's easy to handle it. But when change is unwelcome, if it's a surprise or if it's something we've anticipated, when change is unwelcome, what Christians do is we look for opportunity. 
We reflected last week on St. Paul and disciples after they were thrown out of a village for preaching the good news. Um, By all estimation, it seemed as though their mission was failing. They weren't doing all that well. Most of the people weren't accepting the good news that they were proclaiming. There were some who did. And for St. Paul and those disciples, even though they were kicked out of some villages, uh, they gave praise to God for the few who welcomed and longed for the good news that they were sharing. They didn't get uh, the, the change in their plan uh, for being thrown out of a village. Uh, may have been unwelcome for them, but they gave praise to God, and they saw opportunity even in the few who were willing to accept that good news and welcome that. They did this because they know and we know that God works through change. Creation itself is a great example of that. When God made everything from nothing, um, that's a big change. God was working there. The resurrection at Easter is a big change, a departure from the norm. God was working there. The forgiveness of sins goes beyond expectation. God's working there in that change. And we saw last week new mothers... Uh, they are masters of change, in, in, especially through their role in bringing about new life into our world. So for us as Christians, when we encounter change that's unwelcome, we would look for whatever opportunity might be there, no matter how small it may be. Now we might ask, why does God give us a longing for new things? After all, wouldn't this help with the problem of greed if people didn't long for new things? If we weren't longing for new things, might we be happier, simply satisfied with what we have? And I think there's a couple reasons. One reason why God gives us a longing for new things and has made made us to enjoy new things is so that we don't settle, but that we want for something more. Before the resurrection, as far as anyone knew, death was the end. There's nothing past that. Sin would have the final say. The resurrection shows us something new, though. It shows us Jesus as the final reality, that God will have the final say. God doesn't want us to settle for just what this world has to offer. He wants us to want for something more, something that only Jesus can give to us. Another reason why God may give us a longing for new things is because this longing gives us hope as well. When we long for we, uh, people who uh, uh, people who long for new things are hopeful maybe for a fulfilling career, maybe they're hopeful for a strong to have a strong relationship with another person. Lots of things we can hope for, and it's our longing that often our longing for new things that often gives us hope. And we might group hope into three kinds of categories. The first kind of hope we might call a casual hope. And this is a hope for um, some smaller outcomes. Some yesterday may have been praying that a particular team won a game yesterday evening. Some parents here maybe hope that their children would let them sleep in one morning. Maybe there's some here just hoping to lose a couple of pounds. And while even if these hopes aren't fulfilled... We know life goes on. They don't really bring us down. Now, another kind of hope is precious hope. This is for longer, uh, this is a hope for longer outcomes. 
for, new, for a newly married couple, they may have a hope to start a family and to have children. There might be a young person longing for to have a long relationship, and they hope for that. Someone might be hoping for um, a, a, a career that they can go in till, 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 until their retirement to enjoy that. We may also know of people who are, who are hoping to find relief from the discomforts and pains that come along with some affliction. Now, when these hopes, these bigger hopes, when they're fulfilled, they can be heartwarming, and when they're unfulfilled, they can be heartbreaking. Now, there's another kind of hope as well, what we might call ultimate hope. And this is the hope, uh, this is based on what we look forward to seeing completed ultimately in our life. This is what motivates us and fuels us and keeps us moving forward. It's important because when ultimate hope is lost, it's easy for despair to creep in. When we no longer know what to hope for for our life as a whole, it's easy to begin to despair. And so we don't want to get these different hopes mixed up. Because if someone places their ultimate hope in a relationship then what happens if the relationship falls apart? Or if someone places their hope in a career, what happens when the business they work in closes or when there's some layoffs? And for someone who places their ultimate hope in owning some big mansion, what happens when they discover they may just never have that $2 million needed to, to own that mansion? We don't want to get our hopes mixed up. No, instead, we want to have the right hope, the right ultimate hope. After all, lots of new things in our lives can disappoint. We want to have a hope, an ultimate hope, in something that will never disappoint. The book of Revelation we heard from in the second reading gives some clues into what our ultimate hope should be. The book of Revelation is its the last book of the Bible. It's written by St. John. And it's basically a dream or a vision that he had of the end of time and of some of the things leading up to the end of time. And although it's a dream and much of the language in it is written um, somewhat symbolically, it does tell truth of what is to be expected. Some of the language in it can be frightening sometimes because it talks about troubling times ahead before the end of time. There's no need to be filled with fear, however, for a few reasons. Um, First, we're already in troubling times. We know that. And we also know God's been helping us through that. God's going to help us through to the end of time. Second, uh, the book ends with St. John's vision of the new Jerusalem, something brand new, something to be very hopeful for. Now, our own visions for the end of time often stop with the troubles, and we only have to look at movies to get some idea of what that's like. Is the world going to end through war or through some natural disaster, maybe through a zombie apocalypse or alien invasion? That's what movies might tell us in our imagination. St. John saw something very different, though. He saw a different ending for the end of time. He says, he tells us, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. He talks about the end of time as almost a kind of marriage, as a new relationship between God 
and his people. It turns out, God's ultimate hope isn't about the destruction of this world, but about making all things new, a new unity between God and his people, the ultimate brand new thing without any divides between heaven and earth. God gives us our ultimate hope. He says to John in his vision, God says, I am making all things new. This is our ultimate hope, that all things would be made new, not through our own efforts that often let us down, but through Jesus, who is proven to be all-powerful and loving. This isn't something just for later, though. It all starts now. We pray today for transformation to be made new, and we do this especially through the sacraments. We ask that the Eucharist that we're about to receive would transform us to be more like our Lord. In the, in the confessional, we pray the hearts would be transformed. Even in a baptism, we pray that the, a newborn child would be transformed and become a child of God. We also serve and give. We serve and give to share a taste of the new creation God has promised to his people. We serve and give to express our ultimate hope to one another. And we give and we serve to help guide others to that ultimate hope that we hold on to. We know that this ultimate hope given by God is just a better way to live. It's hope for something new with a guarantee never to let us down. God of all creation, we give you thanks not only for creating all, but for redeeming all, too, through your transforming power. May our longing for new things never consume us, but be a reminder of how you have sent your Son to make all things new, to give us that ultimate new thing that always satisfies and never lets us down, his very life-giving self. We pray this in his name. Amen.